0: Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one, with over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries. Stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of
1: the Bear Honey Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bear. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. We are continuing on our Montana tour. This is this is the Montana tour, but Colby and I are still on our way back from our hunt in Montana. Yep, and uh, with a whizzy and smoke, whizzy and smoke. Yep, we're actually at Bass Pro in Denver right now, and this is going to be an awesome po- podcast because I have my friend Brian Strickland as our. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be talking to us today, Brian. Brian and I have a pretty pretty good history together not like long term like we've been friends since we were kids but we have a i don't know we met it's probably been five or six years now five or six years ago at least yeah we met at the Archer trade association show and i'm going to give a little introduction well first of all let me say we're gonna we're gonna talk to brian about what he does but we're gonna also primarily talk about a hunt that brian just went on brian killed a Probably a when it, you know, we've got to see what it scores when it dries. But he killed a Boone and Crockett bear with his trad bow last week. What day was it, Brian? It was just past uh, Friday, so that would have been what the fourth of May the fourth, May fourth. So, yeah, so Brian has still got the you know, the smell of bear oh, yeah. on his hands. He killed yeah. the monster bear May 3rd, May 3rd, May 3rd up in Manitoba. So, so that's where we're going. We're gonna kind of introduce Brian Strickland to those who wouldn't know him and Brian's a heck of a heck of a hunter a good friend of mine but it, so we'll just start there Brian you have you've been you're primarily an outdoor writer if, if we're talking vocationally inside the outdoor industry Brian's a prolific <coughs> outdoor writer had hundreds of articles published yep. in probably almost every national outdoor magazine that's not like a gun magazine
2: right it'd be mainly bow hunting specific uh, type stuff so yeah you know uh, bow hunting world, archery business, inside archery, bow hunter, uh, bow and arrow Peterson's. hunting. When it was around, I never had anything in Peterson's bow hunting. Okay. I've done some online stuff for them, okay. but uh, nothing in in outdoor life. Print. Never an outdoor life. I did some stuff for Field and Stream. That's what
1: it was. Field and Stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So.
2: Um, but uh, and then some websites, Realtree dot com, and yeah. um, just other places. But just kind of any Rocky Mountain Game and Fish. A lot so of you've the game and fish. Been doing that for about fifteen years. Uh, I, probably my first one was published in two thousand one. <laughs> I think in Bow Hunter. Um So that would have been the very first one I ever had published.
1: Okay, so eighteen years. Yeah, and a you, chunk.
2: you, Brian, has a, a column every month in Hunting World. Bowhunting World I have a column in there right now, and then of course the illustrious uh, Bear Hunting Magazine. Bear Hunting Magazine, yep, Brian uh, writes
1: a Western Western uh, Bear Hunting column in Bear Hunting Magazine, and have for at least two years, maybe yeah, three, going Probably on two, going, yeah, okay. So, well, so if if you are at all paying attention to uh, kind of some of the mainstream bow hunting magazines, you would recognize Brian's name, and uh, Brian is also. For, I guess just last year you had two episodes of Bear Horizon, which Bear Horizon is our, is our basically the videos we put up on YouTube. We make a DVD. Right. Brian killed a bear in Quebec with his trad bow last year and killed a bear in Saskatchewan. Yep. with the trad bow last year, trad bow. filmed them both. We made some cool little videos. They weren't yeah. they weren't real
2: long. One of them was. Three one of them was pretty minutes. short because little technical issues there, but uh, the other one, the Quebec one, was really good, well done, I thought. And uh, I think it's more on the production side than my side. So,
1: Well, we had I mean, to clean up a few things, Brian. <clears throat> hey, that
2: <laughs> sounds like story of my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, no, so, but, Brian, your history in hunting, I mean, you know, you, we talk to these guys that are, are doing stuff in the outdoor industry for a career, but um, – I mean, you're a bow hunter, and, right? And that's and you 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 live in Colorado. Why, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of your hunting and
2: Yeah, I picked. I mean, I've been hunting off and on my whole life. I mean, grew up bird hunting in Kansas and Texas and things like that. And then I, when I moved to Colorado in '92, um, I went on my first real deer hunt at that time, and it was a mule deer hunt um, out west around uh, Pagosa Springs. And when I was there, I just saw. I was, as a rifle hunt, I saw all this orange out there and I ended up killing a, a decent little four by four, uh, muley buck. And, but every place I went, I would just look on a hillside. There'd be a blaze orange vest there, a blaze orange vest over there. Just couldn't get away from the people. And the the following year I decided, oh, well, I'm going to start bow hunting. Cause I know I won't see the people. Mm. And that's just kind of where I picked it up. I think I first pick up, picked up a bow in 99 would be the first year yeah. I probably did that. So you've been and, in
1: your late 20s?
2: Uh, no, yeah, late 20s, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I wish I'd have picked it up earlier. Yeah, well. So I'm kind of a late comer to the bow good. hunting thing. Twenty, I think it was probably 29 or so, 28. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just haven't looked back since. I mean, I killed a a cow elk that first year and, and went on a mountain lion hunt and, and killed uh, a, a mountain lion and then also uh, killed a first real whitetail hunt I've ever been on. I killed a 166-inch. Really? Colorado? In, in Kansas. Kansas. So and that was wow. a story I wrote about in Bowhunter. Ah. Uh, Bowhunter. You know, I got my store. start
1: in outdoor riding in Bowhunter. Yeah. Writing about the Arkansas deer I yeah. killed.
2: I remember I was, uh, back then you, you know, nothing was email. You just, it was all hard copy. Oh, you right. sent it in with the photos and um, and I even think, you know, as I progressed in the outdoor. Dwight Shue
1: would have been the editor.
2: As Dwight shoe, yep. And uh, as I progressed in the outdoor, you know, writing side of things, you start you started using more slides as you've gotten doing more and more of it. But I didn't, you know, I didn't know that back then. I was just using print. You know, print photos. print photos, send them in, and all of a sudden, you know, a, a few weeks later, there was a contract in the mail with a check. I thought you were
1: pumped, weren't you? And I'm
2: thinking, man, this is pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. First one, one and done. Yeah. And so I just picked up from there and just met met some people. You know, Lynn Burkhead's a real good friend of mine. You've met yeah. him, and um, he's been writing for, for for a long time, and he's extremely good at it, and written for every publication you can think of in both gun and, and bow and fishing. And, and he just kind of took me under his wing and really just, I just fed off of him. And, you know, what do I need to do? What, you know, we went on a hunt together. It's where I met him. And this kind of has just gone from there.
1: Yeah. So you pro- how many articles a year do you think you publish now? Now, I've probably slowed
2: down a little bit now from what it was, but probably in my, when I was really hitting it hard, I would say 50 to 60 a year. Wow. And that would be both, you know, uh, print magazines as well as online yeah. especially as online came about in the last oh probably 5 years ago um when it really started hitting it hard i would do quite a bit of stuff online just cuz it was quick yeah. and easy
1: Brian what's your what is your the favorite animal that you've ever taken with a bow i mean like i'm talking a specific hunt specific animal
2: it would be a mule deer hunt um in Colorado which is a, just an excellent hunt. Just everything just kind of worked out great in that hunt. It was like God was looking down and, you know, just ordered this deer to come right to me. And um, and it wasn't a giant deer. He probably scored 140-inch, hoping young deer. But he was really tall. He was only a three-by-four. Um, but just how the hunt all played out, that was probably my favorite. What year was that? On. That would have been probably seven or eight years ago, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. You're kind of known for your mule deer hunting.
2: I like mule deer. It's kind of my favorite.
1: And you're, I mean, you're at your position for mule deer. Yeah, it's just
2: because I'm here in Colorado. They're fairly easy to hunt, although it is harder to get tags uh, now than it was. Um, But so mule deer is probably at the top of my... My list, and when and, and I tell people all the time, I, I really hate hunting elk, and they just kind of mm-hmm. look at me like I'm crazy because you said that that's what everybody I wants hate hunting to hunt. elk, too. Yeah, there you have never done it. There you go. <laughs> um, but you know, people look at me funny when I say that because they just they just think, How can you not like hunting elk? And it's not that I really hate hunting elk, I just prefer mule deer, right? And uh, and I'm just not a real good hunter, so it takes me most of the season to do <laughs> it, so
1: right. Well, uh, um, so but. We really know that your favorite animal is the black bear.
2: I like bear hunting too. It's I'm kind of a late comer. <laughs>
1: well, and that's that's where we're ultimately going with all this is that the last several years you've really enjoyed some spring bear hunting. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and and this is the cool thing to me about bear hunting is that to be a bear hunter doesn't mean that that's all you do, and it's not taking over your life. Right. But you've you've added this piece into your hunting. Repertoire right. Of you hunt bear in the spring, and you've hunted them hard. I mean, yeah. you're going on three spring bear hunts this year. I'm
2: going on three this you year. You went on
1: two or three last year.
2: I went on two. Just two, well,
1: Quebec and Saskatchewan. I
2: went to Idaho last year and didn't connect. So you went on three last year. I went on, on three last year. So... Yeah, it's it's kind of gets in your blood, I think. Even the baited hunts. I know some people have a little controversy with the baited Those black bear hunts. Those people don't hunt. listen
1: to this podcast. Yeah, we well, kick them
2: off. So that you should, but uh, I mean, it's a challenging aspect of of uh, of bear hunting. And uh, I mean, I've spot and talked, them in British Columbia a couple times as well, and that's great. But uh, bears just kind of get under, have gotten under my skin probably the last three to five years, I would say. Um, and it's just kind of the setting that they live in. Um, and they're just not easy to hunt. I mean, they don't run in herds. I mean, you see one they're or a, two. They're
1: low density, low density animals. Low
2: density animals. They spread out, and you can, you know, shoot a small one. But if you hold out, you can really shoot a really nice one. Um, and uh, it's just a fun, fun way to hunt. Yeah. And I think they're the perfect um, animal, big game animal to hunt with traditional bow.
1: And that's a great, that's a great movement right to there. Is that. So you, most of your bow hunting career, you've been using a compound bow, and in the last three years,
2: three years, I probably picked it up and really started hunting hard with the trad bow. The last two years, talk
1: to me about the transition from compound to trad. Why you did it?
2: Yeah, it was. uh, I used a trad bow oh about seven or eight years ago for a short period of time, and uh, I, I just missed game. I mean, I wounded a deer. Um, and, uh, missed a couple of bears in British Columbia that year, actually. And I just, uh, just, you know, I, I put it back down. I didn't, I went back to my compound. It kind of scared cause I, you. It did. Cause I really still enjoy the killing aspect of the hunt. I mean, which, you know, may not be PC, but at the end of the day, that's, 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 right. that's what we do. And, uh, but now as I've gotten older now, I'm, I'm, mean, I'm touching 50 and, um, Killing isn't as important to me as the whole experience of the hunt. Mm -hmm. And uh, not that with a traditional bow, you can't obviously be successful. You can be very successful with it. And and I know a lot of people that are extremely successful with it. Um, So I picked it back up a couple years ago and really haven't picked up the compound much. I did uh, when I was out at uh, Arizona this past year on a mule deer hunt. In January, I used the compound just because you're forced to take 60, 70 yard shots out there, even longer. Um, but I had my trad bow in the car with me just just in case I had that opportunity out for something. Yeah, it was there. I was thinking about it. <laughs> but we're, the you transition were thinking about her, yeah, the transition is is gone good. I it, but it, it's like anything else. It's about practice. Um, whether you're shooting a, a rifle or, or or shooting a compound bow or a traditional bow. It's about practicing and shooting a lot, and more so, I think, with the traditional bow. And if you're willing to pick it up and really shoot it and practice and just learn how to shoot, learn proper form, um, and and just kind of pick your style, I think you can be successful and shoot. Yeah. Really, you know, I, I, I can accurately shoot out to 40 yards and feel pretty comfortable with it. Um, so, you know, just kind of practice a lot and hit it, yeah. and, and I've enjoyed doing it, so it's been a lot of fun.
1: And you know, we've talked before, and I think we had a similar experience in that we were compound archers and, and haven't totally put the compound down. I still shoot my compound some. But th- there comes a point when you're looking for the archery segment of the hunt to be more of a challenge. Like constantly inside of hunting, we're trying to find the place that we want right. to have self-imposed limitation. We're looking for that place. Where is this? Where is the limitation on this hunt? That's going to make it really satisfactory and be the kind of hunt that I want. And a lot of times with the compound bow, and I've heard you say this, I mean, it was kind of like, I can go out and kill a mule deer with a compound bow. Right. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, it's tough, but I know I can do that. I've done it so many times. Right. Where it's like, I need... A new challenge right
2: you get you put your self-imposed challenge i mean for some guys with a compound their challenge is okay i want to kill a 180 inch mule deer which you, that's a challenge because first of right. all there's not very many of them out there and secondly i mean you got to get close to them even with a compound yeah you can shoot out the 50 60 yards but a lot of times out west here in the rockies i mean those kind of shots aren't available because of cover or or what have right. you and Um, So you just kind of self-impose new challenges on you. And what I've self-imposed on me is is the tradition of bowing, getting close. And and I've missed some deer. I mean, I missed a 190-inch mule deer last year. You know the arrow wow. went right over hey, that his. That takes some
1: guts to do that, though, Brian. I, I bet some people just flinched when you said that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if I'd a, I'd had did a, you flinch, Colby? I, did. I Man, did Colby, I got it every time. I've been doing this. I've been skipping right, Colby Moorhead, <laughs> Bear <Riding laughs> Magazine, Bear Tech is here. The I regular. flinched when you said that, Brian. Missed a 190 yeah. inch mule deer. Well, I'm going on my first mule deer hunt potentially this fall. Don't miss with a trad bow. Yeah, right. I think Take I'm going a rifle. I'm taking Colby. a rifle this time. Yeah,
2: I don't blame you. I Think I'm gonna <laughs> think I'm gonna Huskamot. I mean, uh, best of the Wested. Yep, that's right. But uh, you know, and it was a, if I'd had a compound, mm. it was a forty-yard shot, a little bit less, might have made it. Been a slam dunk. He was just standing there, unaware. That, but
1: would that have been the biggest mule deer you ever killed? Been you, pretty you've close,
2: some big ones. Though. I've killed, uh, I killed a few really nice ones in the one eighties and maybe touching one nineties. I don't ever get them scored because um, that's just not all that important. But they're big. I yeah. mean, um, but this one was just a non-typical. Had points going everywhere. Just a handsome deer and. Um, but I know where he's at. He'll be there next year if nobody killed him.
1: Or well, you're going to take me in there. What? Well, th- you didn't apply. I did. Did you apply this year? Well, I've got points, I really? think. But did you apply? Well, not for this year. Oh, okay. Did you apply for a point this year? Well, we got to talk about that. Yeah. I'm not sure if I did or not. Is it, <laughs> I don't is remember. It done? I
2: think it's done. Yeah, it's done this year. So oh, but we can still get a tag possibly.
1: But Well, I've got two preference points.
2: Yeah, so you should be able to draw this particular area pretty close now.
1: Okay, well, we'll talk about that, but so so you picked up traditional archery and uh you've killed multiple bears with I've it.
2: killed, see, three bears now, two white tails, and some pigs. Yeah. Some hogs in Texas. Yeah. So which in a couple of years that's pretty good. I yeah. mean I've uh you know, the really, if I think back, the only hunts I've really zeroed on were uh, that mule deer hunt from last year and elk hunt from last year, and then I passed up elk. I just didn't shoot them, um, and then the mule deer—it just, uh, you know, wasn't meant to be. That's so, a tough uh, shot. so that's pretty. I mean, it's pretty good success,
1: and for sure. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's one thing that we've connected on is the is the transition to traditional archery. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a concept that or it's a thing that people really struggle with because you're shooting a compound bow which is already a limitation from a rifle. Mhm. And then you're like, "Hey, let's take it a whole nother massive notch down by going to traditional archery." Right. And uh, it, it yeah, it, there's very I mean it's it's tough to kill animals with a trad bow, but man the the satisfaction of it, the the whole process, is is pretty incredible. It is. I mean, when you when you with these
2: bows now, these compound bows are shooting three hundred plus feet per second. I mean, you can still see them, the arrow go, and with lighted knocks and everything. But when you can when you're shooting a bow that's shooting two hundred feet per second, um, and, uh, and seeing the arrow and seeing it arc and seeing it hit your target they're just kind of something special and to know that you got you know and most generally you're trying to get as close as you can to a to an animal um so you know you're trying to get 10 20 yards at least
1: what would you say to somebody that was considering making that transition like what advice would you give them shoot
2: a lot shoot every day and, and 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 learn good form i would say where did you learn good form you know, I go down to uh, Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear and talk with those guys here in Colorado. Yeah, Clum. Yep, Clum. I, I've, I've talked with him a little bit, but just anybody there will help you. And there's always all these online resources now that really help you. Um, now,
1: when you, you shoot three fingers under, three under, you uh, hold your anchor. You're I not hold really my anchor. I'm not a snap
2: shooter. I, I'm not a snap shooter. I would say I, I gap. more than anything else and for people don't know that you're basically using the tip of your arrow that's similar to a sight pin on a bow and you're just learning you know at what distance you you know where you want the arrow to hit at 20 yards where that point needs to be Um, and uh, and then there's a point on spot so at at point on distance so when you your arrow tip is say 40 yards and that's your point on so if you have your arrow tip Uh, at your object at 40 yards, that's where it's going to hit, because that's the point. So this,
1: even to describe it a layer deeper, at full draw, from your sight window, looking down the arrow, you use the tip of that arrow. I use the tip of the arrow to help. As an aiming point, basically. As as an
2: aiming point, and that that improved my um, accuracy tremendously. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fine, people are shooting instinctively, and I'm sure you can be extremely effective at that, but... Um, I think traditional I, th- I think traditional bow hunters that do that kind of limit themselves because they 're shooting to twenty yards, and that 's they 're kind of stuck they 'll say they can shoot out to thirty, but you know arrows, it's me, Brian. you 're ar- talking about me yeah, you know um, arrows start to separate and uh, accuracy diminishes. but when you can really use your tip of your arrow, uh, mm-hmm. I think it just really helps with accuracy overall yep. yeah. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to be. We want to be accurate. We wanna we wanna kill the animal uh, humanely and and recover it and, and that's
1: part of it. So yeah. yeah. Well, so you just got back from a hunt with uh, Todd Wolgamuth, Baldy mm-hmm. Mountain Outfitters yep. in Manitoba.
2: Duck Mountains of Manitoba. Duck So, it's so my new favorite place. I, I know
1: this area pretty well because I've hunted Whitetails there yep, with have. Tom Ainsworth who is a former bear hunting outfitter. Now Todd Wolgometh has taken over that area. Todd Wolgometh is a friend of mine. Uh, I've dealt with Todd for two years now, I guess, in in the magazine. Mm -hmm. And Baldy Mountain Outfitters uh, is now hunting the area that was Grandview Outfitters. Uh, That's irrelevant, but it it is relevant because that's an incredible area. It is. Um,
2: You know, I hunted the duck mountains of saskatchewan last year um which is just the other side of the border and it was more the kind of the foothills right on the edge of farm country a lot of bears there as well so i had a little familiarity with uh, the duck mountains but uh, todd's place is really in the mountains i mean you're i mean we're hunting right off of baldy mountain which is the yeah. highest point in manitoba and yeah. uh hence the name baldy mountain outfitters but it is it is, a, it is a great place to hunt. I mean, I saw, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I saw 15 bears in five days. And you would think if you're going to Canada, you're going to see more bears. But keep in mind, this was the first week of the season. There was still snow on the ground. It snowed on me twice while I was there. And it was just cold. It wasn't ideal bear hunting weather. Uh, it, the weather hadn't stabilized like it does later in the spring, and the bears get more active. So we had some things against us
1: on that let, hunt. Let, let me, let's stop right there. Okay. So the 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 transition of the spring. This is something I, start, I learned when I started bear hunting, which mm-hmm. I'd never nobody ever taught me or I never read about it. But like basically, you bear you spring bear hunting May and June for the yep. most part. I right. mean, in the West, some of the and even in Canada, some of the seasons open April fifteenth, but typically outfitters don't start taking hunters until the first week of May. That is early. Necessarily, Just like you said, you might be hunting in snow. Right. But by that time, especially the, the boars are going to be out. Yep. They are going to be hitting baits. They are going to be moving. And right. They, we just came back from Montana hunting the same time as you, mm-hmm. further south than you, further west than you. But, but they, I mean, we were seeing bears, but it's the same thing. They're in this transition of going from denning to feeding heavily and then moving into the rut. Right. So what you're, what you're hunting when you're hunting that early season is you're hunting these boars on 100% feeding pattern. Right. I mean, basically the bear rut, you're going to start seeing bear rut activity around the 20th of May, right. give Late or May. take, yep. all the way through June and into the July, but nobody's hunting bears in July. Um, so that's the beauty of an early season hunt. Is that if you do have a big boar coming into a bait, if you do have a big boar coming into a, a meadow, he's probably not going to go right. very far. Where in the rut, he could go right wherever.
2: And also, at the early in the year, food sources are tend to be a little more limited than it, as That's especially right. out west where you natural guys natural food at. is limited. Yeah, natural food is limited. I mean, green up's kind of just starting, and uh, and so there's limited, you know. Exposure to for grass to grow on those south and they've facing They've got to eat. They've come out of the den, eat.
1: and they're about to go into the rut, right? And they've they've got a they've got to pound the feed. They're hungry, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and
2: and same thing up there. I mean, once the bear finds the bait, which I think Todd has thirty plus baits set up, and they're full. I mean, he's got four or five barrels on each bait, um, and they're just getting pounded because once the bears find them. Um, you'll get a boar that will just camp out on that bait and get two or three that will just camp out on it, and uh, and they just feed on it because that's really up there. It's all they have right now. Yeah. They don't have any grasses to, to feed on. And, and no green up at all? There's no green up at all right now. I'm mean, there's starting to see a little bit on the edge of the roads. I mean, as I was leaving, I would see more and more whitetails feeding on the edge of the roads where mm-hmm. I didn't see that the first couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, so just in those few days, it started to green up. But uh, so food's a... Uh, you know, an important resource and it's limited that time of year so they really hit the baits pretty hard. So that's kind of the benefits of hunting that early season like I did. You don't see as many bears because potentially you have, you know, new mothers with young cubs that are kind of hiding out. They're not coming around yeah. to the baits um, and the bears maybe are a little bit more spread
1: out now. Yeah. Um, they're just not as active too. I they're mean, not it's as like, active. You know, by later in May and into June, I mean, bears would be like 100% active. Right. This time of year, if it gets, if a cold snap comes, a bear might go back to his den, or, or maybe not even to his den, but he might just bed, lays up. He might bed up for twelve, fourteen, fifteen, right. sixteen hours a day, and just feed for little sections. Right. So it's just like they're just not as active. Right.
2: And I think that's what happened on on that hunt. I was fortunate. I mean, I probably saw more bears than anyone, and it was just really the luck of the draw because I was even hunting behind other people. Um, a couple of the stands I hunted, two of the other. Um, Hunters had already hunted. Did they see a bear that you wanted to kill? No, they didn't see any bears at all. But when I go in there, I'd see three or four. Okay. So it was just luck. I mean, it was just however, you know, it just worked out that way. Um, And uh, so overall, it was a good hunt. I saw a lot of bears, but it was a slow hunt that, uh, you know, we didn't, the first bear didn't get killed until the second day. And then there was one killed the third day. And a wound, and then, then mine, and another one on the last day. Yeah. So, so we went, you know, really five for six. And see, and I think which that's is a good hunt.
1: Really typical. That's really typical for that time. And I've had a lot of Canadian bear outfitters tell me that they prefer that first week. Yeah. It's it's a little bit risky. It is. Yeah. Because it's possible you could have gone up there and really got into like legit snow. Right. Unlikely, but right. possible.
2: And I could tell Todd was a little worried. I mean, there was still snow on the ground. So really? I could tell Todd was worried, you know, because yeah. the first day out, um, really no bears were seen other than uh. a couple that I'd seen, and so you know it was you know Outfitters they want they want to make their clients right, right. happy, and Todd's just like anyone else, he wants to do that, and uh, but you know as as the week progressed, um, the weather still was pretty lousy most most of the week and just kind of colder weather, but you just stick with it, and eventually you know. Something happened, and that's what happened. So, So. where did
1: you stay up there? We
2: stayed in these little cabins on a lake, on Blue Lake. Um, And uh, so, they're little one, two bedroom cabins. Comfortable. Comfortable, yep. I mean, it's good overall from a bear camp perspective. It was a good camp. Food was really good, Um, and uh, combinations were. You know, bear camp accommodations. How far
1: were you driving to the baits from where you were hunting? Um, anywhere you were from
2: ten to fifteen minutes, and some baits are spread out maybe forty-five minutes away to an hour. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's big area, and uh, and when you have thirty plus baits and you're moving people around, what he would like to do is, you know, put all five hunters in the same general area just from a transportation standpoint. I mean, he had two other guides with him, so uh, and then once if we hunted that area one day, then we maybe move. 10 15 miles and hunt another area. Okay, and everybody was spread out, there wasn't any issues of like that, um, just from a transportation standpoint. In, in
1: and in a good outfitter like Todd, too, is gonna have his bait spread out so oh, the yeah. same bears aren't. I mean, right. you know, this is there are definitely places where. An outfitter could spread out bear baits every half a mile down the road, right? And I mean, you're fooling yourself to think that it's not the same bears hitting it. Right. You get into these good outfitters. Right. I mean, like world class outfitters. Right. You're not going to find that. No. They're, no. They're spreading. They're spreading baits out. I think. I think one of the outfitters told me that he liked to have three to five miles between baits. Right. And um, I would
2: say these were in that uh, three mile range for sure. Yeah. Um, and you
1: could get, you certainly could get bears that are traveling that far. Right. But unlikely.
2: Yeah. They're, and they went even further than that. I mean, he would get, I mean, some of the rides on the ATV would be 30 to 45 minutes in. After you park the truck? After you park the truck. Wow. So it was, and there were some rough rides. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, everything, it was, it was a, you know, I won't say, because you're on an ATV, it's not a wilderness-type hunt, um, but there's still an aspect of wildness to it just Absolutely. because it's, it's remote. I mean, there's you don't have cell service. Um, you're out there really in the middle of nowhere, and you're back in there miles.
1: Yeah. Well, I know that area because Bernie has hunted up there a lot. Yeah. Bernie's killed a 500-pound bear there. Right. He's killed multiple—well— uh, He's for sure killed one big color-faced bear. I don't mm-hmm. think it weighed 500, but, at, you know, 350 he's to big. 400. Right. He's killed, I'm, I want to say several. I don't know if that's accurate. He's killed a boon and Crockett bear there, maybe two. Right. I mean, like, it's an incredible area. Mm-hmm. It uh, is. Todd put him on a blonde bear that it didn't work out two years ago but they had a blonde but bernie was after specifically a blonde bear
2: yep there's a lot of color phase up there um i didn't personally see any but saw trail camera pictures of it um and other hunters in camp saw some color as well one one of them saw blonde as well as uh you know the chocolate browns and and then one of the hunters in camp made a bad shot on one and didn't recover, and it was a big brown as well. So, and
1: for for everybody that's listening, they may understand the color phase world, and we talk about it pretty regularly. But I think it's good to repeat the one one of the really unique features of northern bears is the uh, is that they're different color phase. Yeah, blonde, cinnamon, black, and kind of chocolatey. Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, and you can even get some red. Color, yeah, and know. that would be like a cinnamon. I right. would say, kind yeah. of reddish brown mm-hmm. to yeah. brown, black, and blonde. Right, and and uh, different parts of Canada are going to be known for colored bears, but really, any the the eastern provinces pretty much don't have for the for all practical purposes don't have color faced bears. Right, from about Ontario all the way to the east. Right, um, and from you know there are color faced bears in Ontario, but from let's just say. Western Ontario, all the way west, right. you're going to have color phase. Um, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta would probably be the primary Canadian provinces that are going to have the most color right. phase bears. Yeah, B.C. seems to have a lot of black. Um,
2: I don't know if there's a lot of color Not as BC. much, but they do but have I've seen some them. color. Yeah, I missed one but, there. So
1: yeah, know. you know they're there. Yeah. They're still there. <laughs> missed three times that they're day. still, yeah. <laughs> There's one there no in in color phase there's usually not over even in the highest densities of color phase bears, really right. not over twenty percent of the population is gonna be color phase right, even though people outfitters will tell will say you know that they killed fifty percent color phase the last year, some people can get that confused and they go to an outfit and they think they're going to see half of the bears are color phase, right. half of them are black. Right. That's not the case. No, cuz and and the outfitters not being dishonest either. Just right. their harvest was 50%. Exactly.
2: Those hunters are going up there to look for a color phase bear. Right. And if you can if you're a hunter that wants to do that and you can go to a place and hold out and have a 50% chance of getting one, that's pretty good odds. Yeah. So I mean western, you know, western United States, I think is where you get vast majority of your color face like in colorado there's like colorado utah idaho you know Montana's montana yeah thing. i mean it's just why i don't know i'm sure there's some scientific scientific
1: explanation for it i don't know it but yeah. uh it has to do there's correlations between uh canopy cover and rainfall right but basically where there's where there's openness they find a uh, you know open terrain right. they find more color phase Ad- but adapting to their environment yeah I mean. but that's not but you look at canada which is like almost 100% forested and you get color phase right so it it's it's not there's not a 100% reason but that i think that's important to talk about but so you you on this early season hunt, you are using the trad bow.
2: Using the trad bow, using a bear Kodiak. And I just what? Got it. What
1: did the, the the publisher of bear hunting magazine tell you before you went on this trip? Don't shoot a small bear. <laughs> Why did he tell you that? Because I have a tendency to shoot small <laughs> bears. <laughs> hey, Brian is six foot six. Yeah. Okay. Brian is six foot six. He has got to have a big bear in front of him for it to look big. Yeah. Okay. I just met him, but I really look up to him already. <laughs> uh-huh, There's our pun. <laughs> Guys like me and Colby that are just you know kind of just normal. We uh, we can kill <laughs> we can kill just average animals and they and <laughs> look okay. They look okay, right? But no, so, it's
2: not so, like a grizzly next to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, just kidding, just kidding. The so so walk us walk us through the week and. And kind of what yeah. happened on the hunt.
2: I mean, every every day I saw bears except the fourth day, and it was just one of those. It rained, and it was just a nasty day to hunt. But you just stick with it, and because uh, you just never know. I mean, bears yeah. will show up in the rain. Yep. Um, and you just stick with it, and you know that every bait you sit at there is has a potential of producing a, a Boone and Crockett bear. Um, and I haven't done the numbers on this, but I'm going to do some research. But I would imagine. Um, that's The Duck Mountains are the top spot in Manitoba for producing Booner bears. Um, Maybe. I'm and, not sure. Uh, and uh, the pictures that I've seen, and, and just with the evidence, I know there's big bears or big tracks. And uh, so it's just a matter of waiting, and that's what I did. I mean, the first day, it was hard for me because I'm, I'm good with a 150-pound bear. I mean... That's, that you could
1: throw over your shoulder and I walk, walk right out the in the woods, right? Exactly, like a like a coon, right? Like, be like me throwing a <laughs> coon over my shoulder.
2: <laughs> but I really was wanting to hold out um for a bigger bear this year because prior to this, uh, the biggest bear I had killed was probably 250 pound one in uh Idaho, which is a really really nice bear for Idaho, for the west, for sure. Yeah, and it's a gray faced black bear, and it was just a. A good experience and, and a really big bear so but I really want to hold out for something big just because uh, I haven't really had an experience with big bears but uh, now that I have I, I, I don't know if I'll shoot a hundred pound on it again um, unless I'm maybe someplace else I don't know <laughs> yeah 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 but um, but overall it was a good good experience as far as sightings of bears even the smaller bears were still good quality bears. Um, when I say 150 to 200 pounds and, uh, and a lot of boars, um mean, you could tell most of the bears you were seeing were boars. I did see one sow with the four cubs, um, which, four cubs, four cubs oh, wow. which you really don't see. And she was big. I didn't realize it was a sow at first cause I was hunting and I looked over to my right and I saw some bears walking through the brush about 80 yards away. And I, they looked pretty small. Um, and all of a sudden they sh- shot up a tree. And there was I saw three of them shoot up a tree, and uh, so I knew there was a sow around, but I just thought maybe she shot him up because there was a boar around, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I look up over towards the bait, and there was a, a bear um walking in and it would look like a really big bear, and it was a big bear um and uh, and I was going to shoot shoot him because it was getting down to the fourth afternoon of the hunt, and it was a good bear. Um, but I thought yeah, I'm just going to wait, and see what happens, and sure enough, the four cubs came out about two minutes later, and it was a that was mama, yeah. and uh, and it was a big a big sound. That's a good so, lesson
1: right there to just just to wait, wait, and usually you have that time. You do. You got you, do. you got time to make sure that it's a that that it's an animal that's right. Not cubs
2: and those cubs would have survived. They were over a year old, but still in my in Manitoba, you can't shoot family groups. Yeah, sure. So, um, but. Uh, but that was a good experience, too, just seeing that you have a sow with four cubs. I mean you just really don't see that uh, yeah, very often at that's all a good good sign um but uh as far as the hunt that the afternoon that i that I killed the, the big bear um do you want to go into that yeah absolutely okay that was i mean it was one of those spots I think it was called Elmer. You know, they all have little nicknames for all these baits. I don't know okay. where the nicknames uh, derive from, but I'm sure it was some um, interesting experience. Probably but a guy
1: from Arkansas that probably. killed the world record there. Yeah,
2: very well could have. Elmer. Um, He's in the Boone and Crocker record books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last name Fudd. So, Elmer, Elmer Fudd. But, uh, it, you know, I had one bear come in as soon as I got there around 430, and it was a smaller, you could tell it was a boar, just a smaller boar, and... Um, he fed around. Were
1: you, were you thinking, I want to shoot that bear? This no, day even the
2: last day. You were just going to go home without a bear? I was going to go home without a bay. I mean, if a, if a decent bear came in, then I would have shot. When I yeah. say decent, up there, something in the 200-pound range. Because up to this point, there had been two bears killed, and both of them were right at that 200-pound range. Okay. Which is, you know, there were 250. Time they uh, spring you know,
1: bear two hundred fifty pounds. That's pretty. That's a nice
2: bear, and they had big heads on them. Both of them were over nineteen inches. Is that right? Yeah. I so. mean that's
1: a whopper.
2: It is. Yeah. And then the one there was a lady in camp who she killed one the same day I did. Hers was over eighteen inches. Yeah. Um. So like all of them had just the genetics up there produced the big heads is yeah. uh, is what's there. But uh, anyway, a younger bear came in. He fed around for about ten minutes or so. Then he started looking. Uh, passed the bait and and just all of a sudden just ran off um so i knew there was another bear out there and sure enough i saw another one walking through the trees a little bit bigger he wasn't real big um and i probably wouldn't have shot i wouldn't have shot him um but it was just he was just walking just wasn't really interested in the bait he was just kind of walking by and uh, and then about an hour passed i just happened to uh, sitting there i was really reading a book and it just book were you reading i was reading a book by don thomas Oh, White, really? Yeah. He's one of my favorite uh, writers. Um, Whitefish Can't Jump. It's a fishing book. So. I'll be darn. So, if you ever want a good read, any of he Don, he's a b- traditional bow hunter, too. Yeah. Um, He's been, you know who he is? Yeah. Okay. So, I got all his books and I reread them over and over and over right? again. Yeah. I'll be darn. Um, so, I just finished a chapter and was putting that book up and it was probably, oh, 6 at this point and I just happened to.
1: What time's it getting dark?
2: Uh, about 9.30. Okay. Line, 9.30 is into shooting light. So it's still early, and I've seen a couple of bears, and it was the last day, so it was a good sign. The weather was okay. It was cloudy. Um, but you can see dark clouds around, so it was potentially is going to rain. Um, so I uh, – uh, and then actually, and shortly after that, it did start to rain. It wasn't a hard rain. It rained for about 15, 20 minutes. It's just miserable to hunt, and hunt in the rain. And, um, and honestly, I mean – i didn't i didn't bring the right equipment with me on this trip you got, you as far got cold. as cold I got cold i didn't expect it to be i mean it was i don't think it got above fifty um the whole time I was there wow. and uh and then it rained wow. and snowed a couple times so that kind of makes for you know i just think it again it deadens that bear activity a little bit and also you know you just stick with it and eventually something will happen, but it makes it a little tougher hunt for sure mentally. But uh, anyway, it rained for about twenty twenty minutes or so, um, and then it kind of stopped and cleared up. And I just happened to look behind me and I saw a bear behind me about no oh, forty or fifty yards. And it was a good bear. It's one I I would have shot for sure um, if he would have come in. It was definitely a boar. Just the head you could see, but it was through the brush. It wasn't real clear, even though it was early season and no leaves on the trees. It still brushed the uh, you know you have to right. screen you know look through like a screen and. Um, so he kind of just walks real slow back there. He stops a lot. Then he turns and goes the other way, and I just lose him. I mean, I'm thinking, where did he go? For the next hour, I am basically keep looking behind me. Of course, I'm videoing all this, and I never get him on, on camera because he's behind me, and it's just an awkward position. And it's the last day, and I don't want to screw it up with mm-hmm. movement. If he's going to mm-hmm. come in, I want him to come in and... um but I just kind of lose him back there. He just kind of don't know if he walks straight away and I miss him or what. But over the next probably 45 minutes or so, I just continually look behind me, waiting on him to kind of appear. Come I figure if he was bedded or something. But uh, on uh, at one of the times I'm looking and all of a sudden I turn back around and there's a bear at the bait. Um, and it was the bear ended up shooting and he just he had just come walking in to my left. I suspect it was the same bear. I don't know for sure. Oh, really? You
1: think it made a loop?
2: Could have made a loop way around me and just came because I was kind of sitting on the edge of this. There were these sloughs. I was kind of on a little finger in between these two sloughs, and it was a deeper slough on my left, um, and one on my right. And they were just kind of coming through there. Almost, it's kind of a natural uh, travel corridor. And he kind of came that way. And he just
1: kind of appeared. And uh, that's one of the fun parts of a baited hunt. That people don't understand unless you're there. Yeah. But if you spent that much time sitting in a tree stand right. waiting and just this huge animal just appears, appears. in front of you inside right. in bow range, right. silent. Yeah. I mean, that's that's its own version of like right. a big, huge buck, you know, standing out there right. making a scrape and you see his movement. And, I mean, and you
2: would think you would see him. I mean, they're black and when you do see him they stand out yeah but when they're back in that brush, you just they're hard to see, yeah because they don't move fast they're generally slow movers and especially the older mature uh bears and and he just came in extremely slow and he just was just there um and milled around the bait, and he just plops down basically and and turns his back to me um and never really had a good shot at anyway when he came in originally, but I had you know three different cameras set up just because I wanted to make sure <laughs> we got this uh proof that he was there um and you know we're filming something for for Bear Horizons and so I wanted to make sure you know we had good footage so I had a GoPro set up on the bait and then really two cameras around me and uh my GoPro is one I activate with my phone it's remote through the phone and so I'm digging through my pockets trying to get the phone out so I can turn the camera on and and activate it and all of a sudden, I, I mean, I didn't think I made a noise, but apparently I did. So he turns his head and looks and gets up and just slowly walks away. And, and thought, I'm thinking oh, to myself, you've got oh, to be no. kidding me. These stupid cameras. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what so I'm thinking. I'm thinking,
1: Clay, why did he not film this? I
2: don't need to film this. But, uh, but he walked away slow. He just kind of, I mean, so I was kind of hoping he would come back. And it turns out he did. He just walked maybe 20 30 yards away turned around and stopped you thought it was over though i yeah i'm thinking nah this is awful but it's still early enough it's seven thirty. okay so you got so two hours two hours left, left. Okay. I'm thinking, okay something's gonna come in yeah so if i blow this one i'm still okay but this was a good bear i mean judging bears is hard um and i was guessing this bear in the 250 pound range which was to me a good bear about anywhere you go but uh so he did kind of mosey back in really slow, took his time, went around the baits, and, and eventually the circled in, and it was like he just came broadside, and then he really exposed his chest, I mean, just perfectly, and I just sent the arrow in and went right through. How far was it? Probably about 16, 17 yards. Okay. So, and the arrow just uh, smacked the other side of his uh Shoulder went yeah. through and 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 buried into the other side of his shoulder, and he ran off and and I mean, blood popped out as soon as that arrow hit, and I thought that's a dead bear. Yeah, and I thought Clay's going to be happy. Clay's going to be happy, <laughs> and I he, was. He definitely you, was. He definitely
1: was. We were so Colby and I were in the back country, and I had just missed a bear with a rifle when I got a text message. We had surprisingly good cell coverage where we we're at. Yeah, I got a text message from Brian. And I could tell the bear was big because he looked big with you standing beside it. Or sitting beside it. Sitting beside it. I was like, that is a big bear. And he was. So he's a lot bigger than you thought he was. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because,
2: you know, it was like any outfitter, they want you to, you know, wait for them. And so I actually just walked out because I wanted to get some daylight recovery, you know, footage as well. And um, so I walked out about a mile where I could get radio server because I was probably two miles back in. And uh, so Todd came up with the uh, ATV and we just followed the, it was a sparse blood trail, which I was kind of surprised with the amount of blood when the arrow hit. I right, mean, yeah. it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, a small cup full of blood that popped out of him. Um, but like bears do, they just don't uh, bleed real well. Yeah. Um, but it was easy to follow the trail and um, he just tore up the ground. He went about 80, 90 yards and just piled up. And yeah, when I saw him, and Todd was in front, and he just said, oh, he started hooting and hollering, oh, you know, it's a really big bear. And I didn't see it yet, but then when I walked up on him and just saw the really the mass of black that's yeah. laying on the ground and just how big it is, I realized, wow, this is a big bear. And then it ended up being about uh, a little over 350 pounds. Did you all um, actually weigh it? Weighed it there. Huh? Really? So yeah. I mean, wow. what did it exactly weigh? It was right a over a little over 300 pounds with the guts out. So, okay.
1: Okay. So you weighed it with guts. Yeah. Out, and so, so
2: Todd said that. Oh, that's probably about fifty pounds or so of guts. Yeah. Um, okay. And so we're guessing around three fifty, but it was the head that was big. Yeah. You could tell immediately picking up the head. It was a nineteen plus head, if not twenty. And Todd immediately said it's, you know uh, he judges heads. That's his. What he really likes. You know, he don't care how long it is, how much it weighs, what it squares. How big's that head what well, he wants to know. Yeah. And he immediately said, he picked it up. He said, oh, yeah, this is a 20-inch bear. Um, mm. And when we end up taking the skull out, it was 20 and a half.
1: Um, and that, and that's, that's an incredible animal. It is. I mean, I, I, of the bears that I've killed, I've only killed one that's, that, that dried over 20. Right. And, that, and that's an issue there is that the, the official score has to be done six days after the drying period, which is – which starts after the skull is completely out of the hide, right? And I've I've killed a couple that that green scored over twenty. Actually, two that green scored over twenty that shrunk to be under twenty. Right, when we're in the high 19s. Right. so just one of them made it over twenty. So I say that to say that that's an incredible animal. And the Boone and Crockett awards minimum is twenty inches. Right. Boone and Crockett all time is twenty one. Twenty one. So there's right. two there's two entry levels into every. Big Game Animal in Boone and Crockett. There's the awards. That's just what they call it. We can talk about that in another podcast. There's an awards minimum, and there's an all-time minimum. Right. And for bear anywhere in the world, a 20-inch bear is a giant. You can't – I mean, if you you had $50,000, Brian, and said, I want to go to the best outfitter in the world, and I have to kill a 20-inch bear – you couldn't do it, right? I mean, there's nobody that can guarantee you that my 550-pound bear in Oklahoma this year did not score 20 inches. What did he it, score? Well, he green he green scored 20 and 1 16th. He's right. one of the ones that actually I've had. Uh, well, I've had two that he was one of them. Right. And, and, so and he's he, going
2: to in the higher nineteen Yeah, like he's he's that.
1: not even a 20-inch bear. Right. But anyway, I, I hijacked your story just to well, emphasize yeah, what, a, what yeah, kind of animal that is. I think that's
2: just the genetics up there because even the other bears in camp had big heads on them. Yeah. Um, and then that's just what's there. Um, that's just what they grow. So it's yeah. like some, you know, Kansas has big white tails and, the, you know, well, the Duck Mountains of Manitoba have big bears.
1: So you were really excited I was. How, what does Brian Strickland act like when he's excited? He puts a little smirk on his face. Just a small smirk. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. a little small smirk. Man, that's what I thought. That's
2: my cop instinct in me. So you You're just, yeah. <laughs> Brian's a former law enforcement agent. So, but, uh, but no, it's big. I mean, when you just reach down there and you kneel beside it and you just touch them and, and you realize they're just big. I mean, the paws are big. The head was big. His, his pelt was incredible. It was just perfect. And uh, it was just a great great bear i mean i couldn't have been pleased and i did what clay told me to do was hold out don't kill a small bear you did it man i did it you see i follow instructions well good job (laughs) congratulations
1: yeah really congratulations beautiful bear and and it's awesome that you did it with one of our outfitters i mean bear hunting magazine we 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 are associated with some of the best black bear hunting outfitters in the world we really are Mm mm-hmm and, uh, and, and and Todd is one of those, I consider right. him one of those, for yeah, real. Yeah, he is.
2: He was a good guy. I mean, I, I got to spend a lot of time with him and the other two guys because I actually bunked with them. Because um, I just wanted to have that experience of seeing, you know, who they are and top-notch guys. I mean, they're always thinking about, okay, how can we make this better? And um, What can we do next time that's, to make it better? I mean, really, one is, you know, knowing that I've been with, you know, uh, quite a few outfitters. He asked me, you know, what what do you think? You know, what would you change? Yeah. Um, so he's really, I mean, he's relatively he's hungry. hungry. He's, he's hungry. He's yeah. pretty,
1: Todd is like in his 30s somewhere. Right. right. This pretty is his third year. He's huh?
2: been a guide. Most of his, uh, uh, he's a timber guy. Does a lot of timber and surveying. and um, But uh, he's been guiding, you know, since he's been an adult. Yeah. Um, and uh, so this is his... He's been doing the uh, outfitting now for bears here in Manitoba for I think this is his third season. Yeah, um, but uh, no, he does a really good job. He's conscientious and uh, which is kind of what you want. Absolutely. And, and, and an outfitter, someone that's yeah. going to take care of you, really wants you to 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 be successful. So you know,
1: I, I want to talk about like what makes a Northern Spring Bear Camp so unique and fun, because some some people could say, oh, "I baited bear hunt," you know. There'sn't a challenge in it. There isn't let me tell you, to go hunt a big game animal in the spring from someone who's conditioned to only hunt in the fall, right? Adds a whole nother dimension to your hunting. It's it an does. incredible experience in and of itself. Right. I mean I've been hunting now spring bear seasons for about six years, mm-hmm. I guess. Before that I'd never hunted in the spring. Right. And I mean it was like and and it still is, but to me it's an incredible experience. It is. To load up your 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 bow or your rifle, in our right. case, and go out in late April on a big game hunt. Right. I mean, it there's is. there's there's no other thing right. that you can do it with. Right. Yeah. We were talking to uh, Joe Condell's Western Bear Foundation, yesterday, and he he get, gave me some insight that I never even thought about before. But he said he said like with wild sheep, guys go nuts over wild sheep. give all this money to wild sheep, and they'll probably never hunt one in their life. Right. And and you know the comparison we all get it. Wild sheep are extraordinary animals and beautiful and rare and, and and but we have black bear in all these different places, spring and fall seasons, and there's just this incredible opportunity. There is, and uh, and a lot of people really never utilize it.
2: Well, most of the opportunities are over the counter.
1: Over the counter.
2: I mean, and it's just a matter of you loading your truck up, pointing at some place, and going.
1: Yes, and and what what we're trying to do, Brian, and you know this, but I mean, we are trying to to elevate the status of black bear hunting and constant, what we believe and know is conservation in North America. I mean, we're we're the guys that are coming in and saying, hey, it's cool to be a bear hunter, right? And if you're a bear hunter, it doesn't mean that you're not everything else you always were before, right? Uh, but to to bear hunt is cool. Bears are the icon of North American wilderness. It's an incredible animal, they incredible are. meat, incredible hide, incredible fur, incredible f- teeth and fang and claw. It, and it is. It and is fat, exactly.
2: Yeah. I'd rather hunt bears over spring turkeys any any day. Yeah. Not no wrong with turkeys.
1: A, you can't trust a spring turkey, and you're talking to a southerner who loves spring turkey hunting. Yeah. You can't trust him. Yeah. you'll go out and not hear a gobble (laughs) and just go on a pretty little nature hike.
2: What's nice, too, about this bear camp and other ones I've been to is that you just have a a, a plethora of hunters in camp, some that have never seen a bear, some that have hunted bears a couple times, or some that have hunted bears for 30 years. Um, And so you're you're experiencing things with other people for the first time as well as hearing stories from guys that have been doing it for so long. One of the guys in camp was a – his name was Paul – quasman he's killed twenty-seven bears really? right in his life. I'll be done. I mean, he is—he is a bear man. There's no yeah. he's That's—he loves to hunt bears. Yeah, and uh, he's killed grizzlies and and blacks and darned. browns and mm. um and you know just hearing his stories and he's actually killed—he killed a twenty-one inch bear up there last year. Really, and wow. uh, wow. uh, with Todd. So I mean, he's killed big bears, and so that's why White. he comes back there. Um, his—I think the bear he killed was. Uh, nineteen this year. So wow. That's but incredible. Uh, so yeah you're meeting you know, you're with with people that are at all phases of of uh, of the bear hunting world and some guys may only hunt bears one time in their life but then some guys just kinda get addicted Come to it. They just love it and over and over and over again. So um you know, I'm kind of those ones – I think there's three kinds of bear hunters too. I think there's mm-hmm. ones that just want to try it, one and done, check it, check the box off, and yep. they'll never do it again. And there's guys that will do it if they have time to do it in the springtime. But then there's the guys that are just completely dedicated to it that will be – got to hunt every spring. That will hunt every spring, won't miss a spring, and will hunt two or three places in the spring if they can. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. Well, man, it sounds like an incredible week. Uh, I like this early season bear hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, typically, like, classic, do now. classic spring bear hunt is the 20s of May through the 1st of June. Um, but, you know, this early spring bear hunt is really good. And, uh, man, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. No,
2: thank you. It was a fun hunt, and uh, we had a good time. Yeah. So it was a good good, good camp. And uh, so I'm looking forward to swinging up there again sometime. Yeah.
1: Well, we've got our mules out here in the trailer yep we uh, you gotta head we, we've head up. east yeah we're driving all the way back to Arkansas tonight but uh thanks for meeting us over here Brian you bet thank you pleasure and uh any closing comments probably one of you
2: yeah you know I'm gonna hear something from Bear Tech Bear Tech
1: no hunting the west isn't easy <laughs> yep yeah. no it's not <laughs> yep. yep so well alright Brian thanks a lot man thank you I appreciate hey, it hey why don't you close Give us a, what's, do you know the Barony Magazine podcast tagline? Keep the
2: wild places wild, because that's where the bears live. Right on. Bam. Dang. (laughs) You can tell I'm a columnist on
1: it. That's right. That's it. I don't even need to say it. You put me on the spot. It's done. My respect just went up even more.
2: Yeah. (laughs)